Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 90. Today, I'll be interviewing illustrator and artist Roz McLean. Roz is a visual artist, children's book author, illustrator, and educator living and working in Comox Valley, British Columbia. Roz believes the opportunity to engage in art making should be accessible to all, regardless of socioeconomic status, background, or ability. In her work, she investigates ideas of human nature and relationship, community, mental health, interconnection, and the natural world through an anti-oppressive and LGBTQ plus inclusive feminist lens. Roz also develops and facilitates art workshops and projects for children, youth, and community members. Past workshops have centered around themes of inclusion, emotional well-being, skill development, and material exploration, beautification of public space, storytelling, and bookmaking. To learn more about Roz, visit her website at rosmclean.com, and there'll also be a link in the post as well. So thank you so much for being here, Roz. Um, I'm just so excited to talk to you about your many, many different um, works of art and passions. Um, So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks. So, you know, when I went to your website, I didn't know what to talk to you about at first because there's just so much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The first I'm kind of, of all the, over the place. <laughs> so the first thing I want to talk about is the Insufficient R Project. So if you could just talk a little bit about what that is and a little bit more about it and how people could access it, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. So the Insufficient Art Project is a series of interviews and portraits of residents of British Columbia, where I live, um, who relied on or had experience with the disability assistance benefit. Um, and so I created an ebook and a website um, with these portraits and interviews. And um, I started the project in 2019. So this was at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, it was with the help of a Canada Council micro grant. So I had some um, Yeah, so that was the support I had to do the project and to focus my time on this. And um, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was an extra $300 that was added to the disability assistance rate um, that people with disabilities in BC um, rely on if they're below a certain income level or they have access to. Um, And that $300 um, was found to be really, really helpful, like life-changing for many people. And there was an advocacy project called 300 to Live, and they were asking that the temporary $300 be made permanent. And it was this moment where um, attention was being paid to this fact that the rates, the disability assistance rates were putting disabled people far below the poverty line. And so even if they were able to kind of top up their finances with the amount that they were allowed to make, because I think they could make an extra thousand dollars or so a month um, if they worked or something like that. So even if they made all the money they could possibly make, they were still living below the poverty line. And so um, especially having all the extra expenses that people with disabilities often have, it meant that um, disabled British Columbians were just 
basically the term enforced poverty is often used. Um, so this project, the insufficient art project, I wanted to shine a light um, on that by doing interviews to kind of tell the personal stories of what people wanted to share about that experience. Um, and then also use portrait art to kind of shine a visual light on like the humans who are having these experiences. And um, I think one of the things is we, for many people, I think it's easy for disability to be like an abstract concept and to kind of forget that like we all know people with disabilities or even if you're not seeing them every day, like they're still very present. So I kind of wanted to um, make that presence more undeniable as much as I could. And to kind of, um, I think as an artist, I'm always like, let's make it like eye-catching and beautiful. And then hopefully people will pay attention to it more. So I wanted to make the portraits really vibrant and like integrate um, feedback from the participants of like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite thing to do? Like, how would you describe yourself and kind of have that like energy in the portrait? Um, so I interviewed 20 people um, and they, uh, they shared their responses to questions and um, their stories. So some themes that came up um, unsurprisingly were like being unable to access basic needs, like enough food, uh, secure and safe housing, medication that wasn't covered, dental care, transportation, and then things like marriage inequality because people couldn't access the benefit if their partner made money um, or being stuck in unsafe conditions because if they didn't have the benefit because they had a partner then they didn't have any independence so if that partnership was not safe for some reason they couldn't just leave because they didn't have any independent means um, and then other reasons as well just that go with kind of like not having money too <laughs> like um, I'm sure this is the case many places but there's a real housing crisis here so that came up of course um, and then even just the system itself, like listening to or reading people's stories and listening to them, it was really kind of baffling to hear just about the like um, the bizarre approaches that these government systems had to like providing care. Like it was, it almost felt like adversarial at times or just like inaccessible or just like, just not well thought out in a way that if your goal was to provide care, like that isn't how you would design things. Um, so yeah, so all of these stories um, and plus some more that people shared on the website only, uh, they live at insufficientartproject.ca. Uh, there's an ebook that's free to download. Um, there's also an Instagram account, uh, which is insufficient underscore art underscore project. Um, yeah, and it was a real, um, what do I, like it was quite the experience to engage with all of this. And at the same time, it was very, um, like very rewarding, but also like if I got a lot of feedback that um, people felt seen and I, the participants especially, I think they really appreciated having a place to speak because it's, uh, that's not always the case. So, yeah. So that was their, a and to project. Share their stories and to share their yeah. perspective. Mm -hmm. I actually was reading an article recently just about accessibility and travel for people with disabilities yeah. and how 
Um, people were getting like, they were getting stuck on an airplane because they didn't know their wheelchair was. And um, there's just so many things I think that come up mm-hmm. that we may not realize because we're not in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. One of the questions I had about the Insufficient R Project was how did you choose the 20 people to highlight in the book? Right. Um, so I did a call out for um, people who are interested and I did that. I tried to do it through multiple streams. So I did like social media. So like Facebook groups um, and like, I think I did Instagram as well. I'm not a huge Twitter user, so I didn't do it on there. Um, And then I reached out to organizations. um, So I think like BC people first and other like advocacy organizations. And then I also reached out to service providers. I was hoping to get more, um, in my mind, I thought that maybe there'd be people who'd be participating who lived like in care and would have help from um, like somebody to share their interview if they needed help. But so I did reach out to like service providers um, and those types of like agencies. But where I got the most response was um, through Facebook and through in- Instagram, I got a little bit. and But Facebook was like the big one. And then also... Um, the advocacy agencies who like shared with their social networks. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got the most response. And then from there, um, I did ask some questions about like identity because I wanted to try to have a broad range of kind of different types of people identified. So from there, I kind of, um, it was a little bit random in that I did like a bit of a draw, but it was also, I tried to make sure that I had, um, like a, a scope of different types of people as much as Yeah. And actually that leads to my next question, just about um, like how your passion for, you know, just making sure your all your work is inclusive um, and how your interest, you know, and, and then the integration of your art and how it guides you with different projects. Cause I feel like there's a real theme among like all of your work, um, mm-hmm. which is what, which has made me, what made me want to, interview you today and share with other people because, you know, not the insufficient art project, but your illustrations and your books. Um, so I was wondering just to talk about your background a little bit and how this started with like how you're integrating the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, I do have a lot of different projects and I like had to like, uh, summarize myself recently. And I, like landed on the word eclectic because I'm like, I'm really just like interested in so many things. Um, But this underlying theme of like, um, yeah, inclusion and diversity. um, I do, I think part of it is, um, I think my personality, I have like a, a real fairness kind of radar that like, I get really irked when I can see something that's not fair. And I like kind of, get stuck on it. Um, and it really lives in my head for a long time. And then one of the things that I think has also been really formative for me is, um, my brother has an intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. So I think that just from as long as I've been able to like notice things, I've been like noticing things like inclusion and exclusion and also like how, like, yes, how people interact and how we kind of, um, we create these dynamics, but also like, I think, you know, as kids, like we do notice 
systems. And we do notice that like some things are built for this type of person and not for this type of person, or some of these types of people are just like not really considered. So um, I think it's something that I've just like noticed from a young age. And then as my thinking was able to like notice more complexities around that, um, it's something that I paid attention to. Um, So, yeah. So I think there's this kind of like undercurrent of like, let's make a world for everyone, Mm -hmm. which is very like idealistic sounding, but it's just like very like, we could just do that. (laughs) Like, let's do that. Um, and then you can another, in the world of illustration. That's the thing. With, that's the thing with children's books. You could create yeah. whatever world you want to create. Yes. That's what exactly. I love about children's books. That it doesn't have to be always so realistic or it could be idealistic. It could be yeah. what you want it to be, which is like why yeah. it's so great to be in the children's book world because it's kind of like having like being a kid forever. Like having your imagination and, and that you create whatever story you want to create and it could be whatever ending you want it to be. Yeah. And I do. And I think that like, that is a really beautiful capability of like art and like art and writing and everything is like, it is this beautiful, like imaginative space where we can like imagine better and we can imagine like it's it's great to be able to dream and to make it beautiful and to make it like a possibility because I think it can be so easy um, or just maybe human nature sometimes to just be like, well, this is how it is. Like we live in the world and the world is like this. And um, of course things are actually quite fluid. And like if the future can be shaped by like our dreams and like, um, yeah, kind of building dreams together. That's, way better than just kind of feeling like wah wah. <laughs> like, okay. how, do you, reality. So how do you start your art? Do you start it like sketching it or do you start it on the computer or how do you like how do you because you do writing and illustrating like mm. so how does that work with I mean I guess it depends on the project but like if you're let's say you're starting a, a children's book Mm-hmm. The idea, like, I always like to ask illustrators, you know, where do you start? Because everyone has a little bit of a difference of where they begin. I do. I have found that, like, my brain just works differently when I'm sketching with, like, my hand, like, with a sketchbook, mm-hmm. like, with paper and um, a, a writing new pencil. And I was going to say, like, pen or pencil, but what I've started doing, because <laughs> I kind of get... Um, I have like a bit of this, like maybe like a creative block or anxiety sometimes when I'm like starting a project Mm -hmm. and I like, I don't know, I get like, Oh, it's just like becomes too much of a big deal sometimes. And so what I've started doing is using like pencil or colored pencil crayons Mm -hmm. to like sketch. And for some reason that just like switches something in my brain where I'm like, Oh, it's no big deal. Or like, Oh, it's not serious. Or like, Ooh, it's a color. So I like, I don't know what it is that happens, but that's like, my magic trick that makes me actually be able to sketch if I'm like psyching myself out. Um, but yeah, so I sketch, um, I definitely sketch first and that's how I like generate ideas for, I do use an iPad as well. Um, I use procreate is the program I use. Um, but I found when I start there, it's just different. So I also really like kind of like the fluidity of drawing and like those kind of like, like I personally love other artwork that looks hand 
drawn and kind of wonky and kind of like you can see the person's touch and like some people can really pull that off with the iPad or with um, digital illustration. But for me, I like get into this like accuracy mode or like realistic mode. And so sketching is kind of like pulls me more into like creative brain and like letting things flow. And then, yeah. And then what I'll do is um, for kind of, especially if I'm working with a publisher, if I'm working with an art director or something, then I'll like translate that onto the iPad. And then that's how I'll like represent, I'll present roughs. So that they can be like, oh, yes, this, no, this. And then it's way easier to make changes that way. Um, And it's also like a really easy way to play around with color. Um, And then usually what I do, if I'm, sometimes I just work digitally, but usually what I'll do is um, from then I will go back and do it traditionally. So like have it mapped out digitally, but then make the work traditionally and like use paint and pencil crayons. but then I'll scan it in and um, I'll kind of like do like an overlay of anything I want to add digitally and anything I want to clean up also. So when you were like, when you were a child, did you always know you want to be an illustrator and like usually sketch things out a lot? Like, was that something I always like to ask illustrators that too, Mm -hmm. like kind of, you know, like, cause obviously it starts really early, your artistic ability and your passion for art. So like, I'm yeah. always, I'm always curious to like, see like as a child, were you like, yeah. you know, sketching things? Cause you know, I work with a lot of kids and a lot of the kids I work with have this like amazing artistic ability. Yeah. And so I, I know it starts really young. So I just wanted to ask yeah. about that. Yeah. 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 I had the, like, I have the, the artiest, the artsiest, like growing up experience. Um, my dad is an, was an illustrator at that time. He worked for like a local paper and he was like an editorial illustrator. And then he's since like gone into film and um, done like uh, illustration and stuff with that, illustration and design. And then my mom was more um, into like dance and movement, but also some like visual arts. And she worked at like, um, there's this place called Arts Umbrella in Vancouver which is where I uh, grew up and it's like a, it's basically like an art school for kids, but it was like this really, um, so she worked there and then like me, my brother and I would like always go to classes there. Um, so that was like a really rich experience, but then like, even just within our house, it was just like, if you were bored, like go get paper and draw, like that was just always available. And then like, I think there's also the thing of if you see your parents doing something, you're like, oh, okay, I'll do that too. Um, But like drawing was just pretty constant and pretty like that was the thing that you could always do. And like my parents, like it was just very like the norm to have sketchbooks. So they were like incredibly like nurturing artistically. Um, And then also this was like, of course, uh, like I was 80s, 90s kid. So this was like, before like tech really so it's like you just be bored and you just be like well I guess I'm gonna draw on this paper Commodore 64 (laughs) (laughs) yeah because uh that's what's around (laughs) so but I also think that like so I did like I was like quote-unquote like a good artist when I was a kid but like honestly like looking back I'm like I think that's just because I had so much practice 
like, cause I think there's that thing that um, can happen sometimes and kind of breaks my heart when I hear kids be like, Oh, like they're a good artist. I'm not a good artist. I'm like good or bad or whatever. And like, like, yes, I think some uh, people have like more inherent talent or ability, but I think it's also just like where we spend our time is like, that's where it grows. So I think the fact that I would like my family was just like so artsy and like my brother and I would just like always be drawing. It's like, then that showed up. And then it's that like snowball thing where it's like, Oh, you should, you're good. You should go do this thing. And then it's kind of propels like that. All right. So that kind of like leads to my next question, just about all of your children's books. So can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit more about the children's books you've done and then um, any upcoming books? Because I know you have an upcoming book I'm really excited about. Yeah, sure. Um, So I Am Odd, I Am New is uh, my most recent illustrated book written by Benjamin uh, Giroux. And that book is, um, so Benjamin, oh, (laughs) I don't know his exact age right now. Um, I have known it. Yeah, and I had him on an interview on my podcast so we could go back to it. But I think, yeah. Like 16 now or something? Yeah, I don't want, yeah, it's, it's flipping out of my brain right now. I say 16, but I could be wrong. Yeah, he's a teenager. And when he wrote this, um, the book is based on a poem. And yeah, everyone should go listen to that podcast because it's such a cool story. But um, this really beautiful poem uh, where he talks about his experience, um, what it feels like for him to be autistic. Um, And I had the immense privilege of illustrating that. Um, We share an agent and we got connected and the rest is history. Um, So yeah, I Am Odd, I Am New came out recently. Uh, And then before that, I had two children's books um, published through a smaller publisher, um, there's Violet's Cloudy Day. And that is a story about this girl who she gets um, anxiety and it follows her around as uh, worry clouds. And then the worry clouds pile up. That one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny about that one is that um, <laughs> so the style that I did it in is I used ballpoint pen and I did a lot of cross hatching and like, I think it's ins- it was inspired by like my dad's like editorial cartoon style. It's like very, um, I got like really into that stuff, but it was like so time intensive and I'm really happy with how it turned out, but it's also like super unsustainable to draw that way. <laughs> so anyway, so that book came out. Um, right. So it's about Violet. She kind of learns um, to, uh, deal with her anxiety she develops more like helpful thoughts or kind of like self-compassionate thinking um and then another book that I wrote after that wrote and illustrated is a direct um the style is basically the opposite because I was like oh my gosh that was like the most time intensive style so the body book is for young readers um and it's very like this cute rhyming book and it's just about body diversity Um, And it's really celebratory and it's a very like early reader book of like all bodies are different and that's so great. Like that's great. And I, um, yeah, I just wanted to highlight different body shapes and sizes and like abilities and disability and like ways of moving. And um, yeah, but if you look at those two books side by side and you're like, this one came first and this one came after, I think it'll be really clear. <laughs> like, also, yeah. I think it just shows your artistic ability that you could have different styles. Yeah. I think it shows. I mean, style. and I think that's, that's really cool. Cause you have different yeah. influences. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely like flexible, but yeah. And then the next book I have coming out, um, it's called more than words and it's, uh, through Holt and that should be coming up 2023. And that tells a story of Nathan, who is a very quiet boy. Um, and he's at school and he's kind of finding that he's having a hard time connecting with his peers. Like he wants to make friends, but like nobody's noticing him because he is very quiet. Um, so the story follows Nathan, but then it also kind of takes these side visual adventures to explore all the other ways that we communicate. So things like sign language or like uh, AAC or like communication systems. And that is, um, yeah. So this book is really, I think more than words is really an expression of like, um, it's the book that came after I had was an education assistant for 11 years. So working in schools and um, facilitating all these different communication systems with kids and like um, having all these different conversations in classrooms and kind of having similar conversations again and again of like, yeah, like we all express ourselves differently and some people do this and some people do this. And um, it's very much like, hey, what if this was a book? <laughs> like, I this, that would I be so wait. great. This- that's going to be like a major hit for speech pathologists. I'm so, <laughs> so, so yeah, excited. which because it's just not talked about a lot. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. area that I work in is what in AAC is communication. Um, and so I only see um, children and adults using AAC. That's, that's what I do right. um, specifically. And so it's, I'm just really excited about that. It's actually one of the things, because I also teach graduate classes talking to my students about you know, just all the different ways we communicate because mm-hmm. it's not just with speech, it's with so many other ways and people just don't even realize actually how we communicate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I'm really excited about that book. That is going to be great. It's also just great for awareness because mm-hmm. I think when you're thinking about all different kids, you know, that whether you're quiet, whether mm-hmm. um, using communication device, whether you're using sign language, um, there's just so many different ways that um, yeah. that people communicate. So I'm really excited about that book. Yeah, and I also um, I also like in the book. There's also like artistic express- expression or like movement as expression and like creative things because I do think that's so um, so true. But just like there's such a range of how we express ourselves and there's also such a range of like ways to like listen and pay attention and tune into other people. So. Yeah, I'm so excited for you to read it. Oh, I am. I will be the first one to get that. So, <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to talk about before we finish up? Oh, um, I think that's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah. talked about a lot, and I'm gonna yeah. have links in um in the post with you know links to the insufficient R project, um, and also links to all your books and. Mm-hmm. I will um, definitely look out for, well, 2023, but you know what? Yes. It seems like far away. Oh man. Before we but know it, it's going to be here. What, <laughs> so, what, what is time? Is my big like takeaway. <laughs> time flies by so much. So, well, thank you so much for talking today. I'm really so glad we got to connect and, um, and I'm like just excited to share your work. Well, thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks for the space. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. Time.